Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. New Hampshire native singer-songwriter Rick Lang has written over 70 songs, many of which have been recorded by other artists in the bluegrass southern gospel, and even jazz music industries. Rick is also a freelance writer, conducts songwriting workshops, and currently chairs the IBMA Songwriter Committee as a mentor for the IBMA Songwriting Mentor Program. In this next edition of Americana Music Profiles, Rick and I talk about life, his music, and his latest record, The Undertow. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Great to be with you, Greg, and uh, thanks for... uh... Uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you. You're in uh, New Hampshire, right? I am. Uh, about 30 minutes from the seacoast. Yeah. Right on the small but beautiful New Hampshire uh, coastline. Okay, cool. Well, we were we were talking offline a minute ago, and, and it's um, uh, where I... Where, where you're talking to me from is is a uh, an office on a lumber yard, and uh, although that has nothing to do with our with music, it kind of struck me that there's a bit of a tie-in uh, because of the type of work that you do with the lumber. Give me just a quick um, uh, a story about what what that's about and what you do with with the wood. Sure thing. Uh, my uh, my lifelong career has been in the hardwood lumber industry and uh, I started way back in 1970 and uh, my wife and I started our own business back in 1986 uh, and have been going ever since and we supply high-end hardwoods to uh, the woodworking trade in mm-hmm. our region which includes uh, kitchen high-end kitchen cabinet makers uh, custom uh, woodworkers uh, furniture makers uh, architectural millwork uh, companies, and uh, anybody who uses high-end hardwoods 
for manufacture of any product, like uh, uh, hardwoods like cherry and uh, black walnut and maple and birch, and specialty woods too, like uh, curly curly maple, hmm. uh, you know, uh, for instruments and stuff like that, right, and yeah. uh, bird's eye maple. Yeah. I I would um uh one of the things that you're you're known for is is songwriting and I just I have this uh, uh this image that doing what you do working with the different woods would lend itself potentially uh, to some uh songwriting ideas is that true It is true uh and um you know songwriting to me is a very organic uh, experience uh-huh. in working with hardwoods in in a natural resource like uh, hardwood lumber is very organic. Yeah, and and uh, I spent a lot of my early part of my career in the woods, uh, working at sawmills and working at the woods marking timber, mm. and and it just seemed like a really nice combination of yeah. uh, the music and songwriting and in my work in the hardwood industry to seem very compatible and mm-hmm. they feed off each other and somehow seem to complement each other which came first the the interest in in music and a music career or or the the hardwood work that you do well i've always loved music but i would say the hardwood uh, career in hardwoods really came first uh-huh. and once i get into the uh, I think into the mid '80s, uh, when I stumbled upon, upon bluegrass music for the first time, and like so many people, get totally captivated right. by it. Um, um, my interest and passion for songwriting, in in playing playing music, uh, started, mm-hmm. and um, and it grew over a period of time for the last thirty or thirty years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, right along with my passion for the hardwood business, mm-hmm. so they. They both have grown and evolved yeah. uh, at the same time, and I spend most of my time in my life either doing one or the other, and I just go back and forth, and mm. um, I, I feel very, very fortunate uh, to have a life to where uh, the two central parts of it are things that I absolutely love and have a passion for. Mm, that's and, uh, cool. So very blessed. Now, you used the word stumble. Uh, tell me what that meant for you? How, how did you discover uh, music and bluegrass music for yourself? I grew up in the 60s, and uh, the first music that I kind of, that, that caught my interest was the early soul music and early uh-huh. R&B music of uh-huh. the late 50s and early 60s, going on to, uh, to like early rock and roll right. and Motown. Motown music and contemporary folk rock music like the birds and bands like that. But then in the 80s, I, I kind of lost interest in a lot of music because it had changed. And I was listening to, I think I was listening to a Birds album one time when Clarence White had joined the band. Mm. And I was captivated by his playing and studied his background and found out he was a bluegrasser and was renowned in the bluegrass world. Mm. So I went out and get some 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 of the records of the early Kentucky Colonels he was part of. Okay. And when I heard it, I was so blown away. Yeah. It was just such awesome music. I just fell right into it, and and then started 
listening to other bluegrass records and 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 just jumping in and ever since then that's the music that's really kind of moved me yeah were you a uh, uh, a player of an instrument before you discovered this music that you enjoyed or did that lead you to to become a player well um i had been playing guitar ever since childhood okay and uh and i would play i remember when i was younger you know learning really everly brothers music uh and some music from the like late 50s to early 60s and in playing contemporary folk music and 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 stuff like that so i'd always played guitar then when i stumbled upon bluegrass i realized this is a whole new challenge to learn how to play uh play really good bluegrass rhythm guitar and mm-hmm. found it very challenging and it kind of it inspired me to work at it more and and learn how to play guitar so I could accompany songs um, that I liked <clears throat> and then I found if I as I get into songwriting I would have to kind of uh, learn more on the guitar mm-hmm. if I was going to use that as a writing tool to be able to write in different settings so if I'm writing a sad song I could play some sort of music that went along with the storyline. Mm-hmm. So I tried to expand on my guitar playing um, so I could, uh, it would help my songwriting and have been uh, doing that ever since. What part of this music um, uh, inspired you to, to move into the songwriting side of it? Well, that's an easy one. Um, I think it was in the, in the mid to late 80s, when I started listening to bluegrass music, that's when a lot of, I think you'd call second generation bands were right. becoming very popular, like the Bluegrass Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And, and Doyle Austin's first band of his own came in, uh, came into being with uh, Doyle Austin Quicksilver. And Virginia Squires were, mm-hmm. were out there. And, and a few other ones. And as I listened to the music, uh, I liked uh, I liked a lot of the songs. So when I found a song I really fell in love with, I would find out who wrote the song, mm-hmm. and then found out a lot of these songs were written by <clears throat> people like um, Pete Goble and Randall Hilton. And somehow I just was captivated by the, the songs that they wrote, mm-hmm. and started studying the writers. I looked for other songs that they had written and and decided I'd like to write songs like that. Hmm. And uh, I actually reached out after I get started uh, writing, you know, really, really working hard at writing. After two or three years, I actually reached out to Randall Hilton, who I didn't know and didn't know me, and found his address and wrote him a letter and said, I'm, I want to learn how to be a writer. And did you give me some tips and listen to some of my songs? And and through the mail, I would send him tapes of my songs, and he would write these really encouraging letters, mm-hmm. giving me some ideas how to make them better, and we became pen pals. Hmm. And that's kind of how that's it cool. started. Yeah, okay. And and this has uh, obviously been something that's really uh, kind of been centerpiece for you to the point that if, if I read the... Um, uh, the notes correctly on on uh, your biography. You're also currently the IBMA Songwriting Committee Chair 
and uh, a mentor for the IBMA Songwriting Mentor Program. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I feel very fortunate to to be part of that. Uh, the IBMA has a uh, among its other uh, other uh, parts of it that are really a, a value to the constituency. Songwriter Committee uh, has even grown and become and really offered more to the songwriting community over the years. And I, I'd get on there seven or eight years ago and was a member and tried to contribute. And uh, I think uh, uh, I, I think this is, um, this is my, kind of my third term on there. And mm-hmm. I was asked to be chair of the committee. And I found it very rewarding because um, I get a chance to interact with and uh and connect with other writers mm-hmm. and, and organize things for our annual World of Bluegrass event in fall uh, that have uh, that are kind of that feature kind of songwriting activities, and songwriting seminars, and songwriting workshops. And I just found I just enjoy that a lot. So uh, I become involved and and found out and found it's just a you know, something I really like a lot and hope to do for a long time. And you're you're actually teaching songwriting workshops as well too, right? Uh, yes, I do. Um, it, uh, uh, some of the New England Bluegrass Festivals up here over the years I've, I've taught workshops, mm-hmm. like the Joe Val uh, Annual Workshop, Annual uh, Bluegrass Indoor Festival they have in February. I've taught workshops there. And at uh, Thomas Point Beach up in Maine, I've taught workshops there, and and I get asked to do that from time to time, and found out it's uh, found it's uh, it's very rewarding, and again, it's a chance to kind of hang out and interact with other writers. So I, I like doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is probably a bit subjective, but um, what do you? Um... What do you see as the difference, if there is one? I, at least it feels for me I can I can kind of hear it. A difference between bluegrass music that is uh, kind of written and performed uh, in the uh, the northern part of the country where you're from, compared to the kind of bluegrass music that that is written, originates, performed in the you know the the kind of the southern. Uh, part of the United States, uh, geographically at least, for, you know, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, kind of geographically, do you, do you, can you hear the difference? What do you, what is it, what does it feel like the difference is for you? No, I, I think there is a, you know, there is a big difference in, in when listeners hear songs written and performed by, you know, people who are, you know, from this part of the country we have kind of our own dialect and our own style and our own influences. And I think, you know, down in the Appalachian areas, uh, uh, a lot of their influences of people who, who write and perform are just very different than those up here. And I think that, that those influences um, handed down from generation to generation just create a whole different sound. Mm-hmm. So, so I found when I started writing... Uh, songs, uh, you know, for for the bluegrass music world, uh, a lot of my songs were sounding like a kind of northern-type-sounding songs. 
mm-hmm. based on my influences of like folk music in New England and and people that I've listened to over the years. Right. But but then I found as I uh, I from the '80s on, most of the music that I was listening to after that was real deal bluegrass music. Yeah. Uh, first and second generation bands. Right. And I think I listened to it so much it changed. It kind of influenced my songwriting to where I was writing gospel sounds that sound like it was written from somebody from Kentucky <laughs> as opposed to someone from New Hampshire. Yeah. And 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 uh, and I could tell it was working because uh, you know from the '80s through the '90s, I very fortunately have had several of my songs recorded by by you know some of the leading bluegrass bands and I think it's because my my style was was really kind of close to what resonated with them so um, I think my bluegrass influences and what I've been listening to really kind of changed the whole direction of my writing mm-hmm. and and I've actually done recorded you know gospel albums like one in 2010 uh, that was a you know it sounds like Somebody who somebody must have written all songs who was from Virginia and not from New Hampshire, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it was very popular. Yeah, uh, and, and did really well. Was nominated for awards, but I think the thing is, all my influences poured out of me in writing songs for that record, and and uh-huh. uh, and I think it's just, I mean, that's the way I think and hear things now from yeah. from kind of a, a bluegrass, uh, you know, uh, traditional contemporary bluegrass artist and other writers. Yeah. And, uh, Huh. That's how I kind of see and hear things these days. That's cool. When when you write songs, are are you, um, you? You mentioned that you had have several other artists that recorded your music. Um, do you do you write or when you write occasionally? Do you write with that idea in mind that you're writing for someone, or is it kind of the other way where you write some songs and then other artists kind of find them and then feels like it fits who they are. Um, I've never really had success writing with artists in mind. Uh, every time I've tried it, it turned into a train wreck. And <laughs> songs didn't, they just didn't sound organic or natural or, or real. Mm-hmm. So I found for me, what I have to do is um, just focus on if I have a song idea or, or, or a concept or a storyline for a song, no matter what it is, just focus on that and immerse myself in that mm-hmm. and write music to it that sounds natural for the song. And I don't really kind of think about anything else except for the storyline and the music to the song until it's done. And then when it's done, maybe, you know, months later I might listen to it and think about who who might it be a good fit for a certain band or something. Yeah, okay. But I... But I just just go at, I just go with the songs organically, and just take each one in whatever direction sounds natural for the song. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's cool. So uh, of I course, know other people can write for, for artists, but I I just haven't had yeah been able to do that. And I know that there are artists that do that, and that's why I was just curious because I. I songwriting is is different for everyone obviously i'm I, i'm not telling you something you don't know but i it, i always find it interesting when a songwriter um writes for someone rather than just writes because it's something that they need to write and it uh 
uh, it sounds like there's 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 so many different styles and techniques it was just it was just curious to know uh, if that was something that you did so I appreciate you elaborating on that yeah, it's very individualistic and I wish I could I think it's a great gift and mm-hmm. people who, who can do that I think it's just phenomenal uh, but uh, I'm just unfortunately not one of them yeah <laughs> Well, obviously, you've been recording over your the course of your career as well, and I think I read that you've you've released six albums, and you've got a new one out, which is something we want to talk about a, a bit too, um, called Undertow. Tell me about your new record. Well, of all the albums I've I've recorded and produced, this is the most interesting one hmm. in many regards, as that um, it's a it's a concept album. Hmm. And uh, all the songs on the album, um, the storylines have some connection to the ocean. Oh yeah, okay. And so when I first really got serious about writing in the in the '80s, uh, I would try to write about themes that seemed um, popular at the time, like writing about you know, cabin on a hill or, mm-hmm. or writing about things that I heard in other songs. So I was writing about all sorts of things that I didn't know much about and had never experienced. Hmm. So after a couple of years of writing those kind of songs, I realized none of them sounded very genuine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they didn't sound real. Mm-hmm. And and I was kind of disappointed because I put a lot of effort into it. But then I realized maybe you have to write what you know mm, and yeah. what you're familiar with. Yeah. So one day I kind of stumbled upon that concept and said, well, what do you know? Well, I live a half an hour from the ocean, and I've been around the seacoast region and the ocean my entire life, so maybe if I write about, um, you know, uh, things uh, things that are in, in my own backyard and my surroundings mm-hmm. here, it would make more sense. So over a period of the last 25 years, I would write a, a song here or a song there, where the storyline has something to do with the ocean. It had an ocean setting, mm-hmm. or, or it's a story that took, uh, took place at sea, or an analogy between real life and the ocean. Mm-hmm. So about 2006 came around, and, and I became aware that I had written quite a few songs that had something to do with the sea. And, and I took a look at my catalog and realized I had, like, you know, like maybe 15 to 18 songs. And then I said, wow, this would make a very interesting concept hmm. album. So so after that, between 2006 and 2011, uh, I added a few new tunes to it. So I had a maybe catalog of maybe 26 mm-hmm. to 28 songs. In 2011, uh, uh, with my producer, Bob Dick, um, we sat down and picked out uh, a dozen of these that we thought were really good choices to record and started uh, started recording the Undertow album. Hmm. So you've been recording it for a while then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> since 2011. Yeah. So what sort of happened is like most people that I am involved with musically in our region uh, are not full-time musicians. They all have careers <laughs> and some of them travel. And... And, we, and I wanted to try to, on this particular record, I my my idea was I had, um, I wanted to include uh, 
all the people who were important to me in the New England music scene, people that I had written with, recorded with, or performed with in the past. So because of that, there's like 17 different people who who appear on the Undertow record. Yeah. <laughs> but because we all have different careers and jobs and, and, and our lives are are fast and busy, we couldn't get people into the studio. Hmm. It's hard to schedule people in the studio to record. So we'd, we'd just have somebody come in when they were available to do this or that. And so it just took a few years to get everybody in there to do their parts of yeah. this record. <laughs> so it truly was a labor of love. It's been, you've been at it for quite a time, a time on this one. But, but it was really worth it because uh, uh, everybody did a great job. There's some wonderful performances on here, and um, you know it's a it's really a very you know rewarding collaboration that people mean a lot to me in the New England music scene here. Yeah. So if um, folks want to get a copy of this new record or, or listen to some of your back music or talk to you about songwriting, what's the best way to to reach out, get in touch, and and get some of your uh, songs. Well, uh, I mean, people can uh, can uh, email me or call me or go to my website, which is uh, www.ricklangmusic.com, and okay. my email address is just uh, rick at ricklangmusic.com. If anybody wanted to call me, I'm available 24 seven. I think I hardly sleep at all these days, and uh, but uh, hopefully you won't get calls to... at three o'clock in the morning. But uh, please, please feel free to share yeah. your number if you want to. <laughs> That's right. Sure, it's six zero three nine four four two nine three four. Great, good. And uh, anybody who's interested in talking about songwriting or my music, uh, or, or another writer who who would be interested in in writing with me. Uh, 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 collaborating would be mm-hmm. always welcome. Yeah, uh, good. The only thing I like as much as songwriting, actual songwriting, is talking about songwriting. So yeah, because um, <laughs> um, it's a it's a fun place to be. Yeah, well, you certainly uh, given us some neat stuff to think about this afternoon, and I, I appreciate your time. And uh, it was it was good catching up with you and learning about your songwriting. So thanks, Rick. Well, thank you very much, Greg. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 